Welcome to the Scale Up Valley podcast, where we bring the best of the best to help you scale your business from 1 million to 1 trillion. Today, we have a very special guest, and he's back for the second time. His name is uh, Vikas uh, Bambri, uh, the Senior VP of Sales and uh, Customer Experience at Customer. Vikas, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. Good to be back. Absolutely. And for the ones who are curious to know more about Vikas and would like to see the last recording, uh, you can go to episode 84, uh, which was recorded in September of 2019. So almost nine months later, uh, we, have, we have you back on the show and a lot have happened wow. in, uh, at customers. So for the ones who have not uh, had the opportunity to listen to the previous Um, episode, give us just a bit of an overview about yourself and customer and update us on what happened uh, since then. Sure. So quick, uh, quick recap on myself, uh, head of sales and CX here at customer. Um, we continue to be a rocket ship as we talked about nine months ago. I think since we last met, uh, we announced our series E uh, round, which was uh, led by CO2. Um, and you know, really exciting in terms of just closing out the year with that announcement. Uh, and then you know, we got off to a, a great start uh, this year. We added to our leadership team, um, it, particularly for me, uh, a couple of key partners in crime, uh, new VP of marketing. Uh, so Gabe Larson joined us from uh, Inside Sales, which is now Zant, um, and uh, new VP of operations. Um, Ab Gupta, who joined us from Uber. So very excited by, by having those two new peers as part of the executive mm -hmm. team and, and helping me in, in the go-to-market and go forward. And then I've been further building out my leadership team with a new director of customer success, uh, Chad Hornfeld, a new director of professional services, Sasha Greco, and most recently a new director of support, uh, Godena Warga. So really wow. excited about the continued growth here at Customer. Wow. And for the ones who are not aware, uh, as Vika said, it's a uh, customer raised a, series, a 60 million Series E in December last year. Uh, some of the investors, and I will not mention all of them, it's Battery Ventures, Box Group, Redpoint, Tiger Global Management, Cisco Investments, both Start Ventures, Plug and Play, and, and so on. So really uh, world-class partners uh, building uh, one of the most amazing and promising companies uh, in, in the SaaS space. And it's always very good to chat with you because I also appreciate a lot how humble you are talking about all those achievements and also your previous uh, corporate journey and, uh, and your ambition about doing this from zero to 100 million um, and being able to have this experience and share with uh, the future generations your, your experience Uh, since you have um, done this. Uh, you also have a, a great news uh, that we can discuss a little bit later in, in the question of, in terms of how other SaaS scale-ups can integrate uh, new team members, but uh, you have acquired uh, reply.ai. Uh, it was announced uh, this month, so it's fresh, really, really fresh, right? Congratulations. Very exciting, very exciting for, for us as a company for the team um, and you know, uh, you know, as we've said, it, it allows us to expand our product portfolio for our customers. 
and also, you know, it, you know, continues our global expansion as, you know, most of the reply team is, is based in, in uh, Spain, in Madrid, as you know. So yeah. very exciting on, on a number of fronts for, for customer, both the company and, and the, uh, the crew, as we call it. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, so we, we are now nowadays producing this wartime season to help all entrepreneurs worldwide uh, navigate COVID times and uh, scale during COVID times or getting prepared to be stronger after COVID times. Uh, so the idea is really to inspire people to have an abundant mindset instead of being in a fear-based uh, mindset and uh, looking for the opportunity, looking for solutions, uh, looking for the, the, the bright side of this um, instead of looking to the dark side because we already have uh, enough uh, news on, sure. on that available. And uh, yeah, it's always good to know, uh, as you know, we have an out, a global audience and, and global guests on the show. So we, we had recently China, Korea and uh, uh, all, all other experiences covering what is happening in terms of COVID in, in their locations. For the ones, uh, this is in, in, interesting now because it's important when we are recording this, it's uh, the 27th of May. Uh, what is the, um, the update or what is the status of uh, New York, uh, where you are located and based uh, in terms of COVID-19? How is the situation? Do you sure. use masks? Do you go outside? Uh, how, is it, how is it going now there? So, you know, as, as you know, you're well aware, right, the, uh, the world is in the midst of this pandemic. Um, unfortunately, uh, the U.S. has found itself uh, at the center of it. And within that, you know, we selfish New Yorkers, we've said it for years, New York's the center of the world. And then we are really the center of this, this pandemic. I mean, um, unfortunately, the number of cases and, and the situation. So, you know, customers in New York City-based uh, headquartered company, uh, where a large percentage of our employees are. Um, we were one of the first companies in New York City uh, to shut down our offices and, and move to a work from home uh, model. Uh, I actually live uh, in one of the suburbs of New York City, Long Island. And uh, so New York City is still in complete quarantine. Uh, we have, you know, our governor has different phases. So we are, you know, New York City is in phase zero. Uh, my suburb just entered phase one of the program today, which now means there are some types of businesses, very specific, construction, manufacturing, retail can now open with curbside or delivery. So very, we're being very thoughtful about how we're, you know, we're approaching this and, and, and you know, as, as a community, as a collective community. And I think, you know, uh, yes, we're wearing the masks when we go out and doing all of the precautions we need to make. And, you know, I have not uh, been, you know, out of my house except for a walk. I mean, in terms of just even shopping, everything is delivered. So thankful to the e-commerce world, the acceleration of e-commerce. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, that's the current situation that we're, we're in here in, uh, in New York. Got it. And do you have uh, other offices uh, across the world? So any any updates on, on your other offices? How is the situation? Uh, is sure. everyone working from home or do you have any office which, which is going to... So we, <laughs> yeah, so we have offices in, in New York, uh, North Carolina, San Francisco, and of course now uh, Madrid. And, and I think we're, we're working and, and looking at what the local community is doing. Uh, what are the, the local mandates coming out? So um, our HR team, I think, is doing an amazing job of, of kind of monitoring the situation. 
Uh, California is obviously in a, in a pretty severe situation as well. So kind of monitoring what, you know, what is going on there and when it's appropriate uh, to open up if we need to. And, and same thing in North Carolina, which was being was less infected, but we're actually seeing, unfortunately, North Carolina rates seem to be going up recently. So I think our HR team is doing an amazing job of just monitoring this and then you know, making a, a real-time decision as to how we need to operate and how we need to communicate with our teams. That's amazing. So uh, let's start with our critical ingredients to scale that we always discuss on the show. I will not ask you exactly the same questions because sure. for the ones who want to know the opinion of Vikas about those topics, you can go to episode 84. Uh, and those ingredients are radical focus, uh, number one, number two, world-class leadership, and number three, a culture of execution. And we keep co-creating these ingredients with the guests and asking them to challenge us to create new ones or to change the, the current ones. Uh, and let's start with, with, with the first one on, on this sense of what you, what you just uh, have been explaining um, in terms of, um, you know, uh, hosting new team members, uh, welcoming new team members that are joining to the team and uh, being the first company in New York to, um, to shut down the office. So how do you keep everyone safe? How do you keep everyone happy, everyone engaged? when everyone is now working from home, uh, several weeks inside home, uh, especially in, in your areas of, of revenue and sales, uh, customer experience, where uh, it's, it's already a, a roller coaster. So working on a scale up or on a startup is a roller coaster. Working in those kinds of areas is huge pressure. It's another roller coaster. And selling and uh, marketing and go to market in, in a context of COVID is even more a roller coaster. So managing all these emotions and getting results out of this, it might be very, very difficult. So how do you a leader keep everyone motivated, engaged, inspired to, to keep executing the plan? I, th I think that's been the number one thing, right? The number one focus uh, for us as a leadership team and, and myself has been the team, right? How do how do we make sure, like when, when this thing first happened, right, is, you know, first thing we wanted to make sure was everybody was just safe and healthy. That was the number one thing, you know, and in fact, I even personally had been traveling uh, right up until this. I was on the West Coast the previous week. I was in Miami for our sales club. So we were, you know, we didn't really know what this was, right? We were being told it was the flu, et cetera. And we probably weren't taking the precautions we now are because we nobody understood the the uh, the gravity of the situation. So number one was we wanted to make sure everybody was safe and healthy, and then it was a question of like how long is this going to go? Like nobody knew then. We we all suspected at the time that it was going to be short term. Now we're understanding that this is unfortunately a more longer term endeavor. So the immediate thing was making sure people were able to work from home. And so that meant everything from, you know, letting people back into the office to go grab some key things, right? You know, do people have internet, the right level of bandwidth at home? Uh, you know, our security and, and ops team did an amazing job of making sure that everybody was in a secure uh, environment because we are, you know, uh, we, you know we, we pride ourselves on the security that we offer our clients. And so being able to maintain that. Um, so those were all things that we, we had to account for um, just to get people, quote unquote, what I would say the basics of up and running. Then the other thing was, you know, do people have the infrastructure, you know, do they have the desk set up? 
Do they have the, the, the desk chair, et cetera? So we wanted to make sure we gave everybody, every employee a stipend to go and invest in making sure they had the right home setup um, because some of them were not prepared for that. Absolutely. Right? Now, as you, as you kind of go through that flow is it's not temporary. So, you know, we had people that were going back to families, to homes, different environments to make sure that they were set up for the long term, right? Maybe they had a loved one to take care of, et cetera. So making sure we could accommodate, you know, that, you know, that as well. So we've been, you know, like everybody else, we're going, we're, we're dealing with it on a case by case basis, right? We have unfortunately team members that live alone in an apartment in New York city and, you know, don't have roommates, et cetera. And so that, you know, making sure that, you know, they've, have that environment where they have that social interaction. And I think our, once again, our, our, our HR, our ops team has done an amazing job of making sure we're bringing people together. Um, whether we, it's, we've done a karaoke night, right? We've done, um, <laughs> we've done quiz night now a couple of times. Um, and it's amazing. The, the competitive nature that we have here, customer that we have when we do quiz night in the office, it, it transcends into Zoom. So, you know, seeing, you know, how we're doing these things, you know, teams are having happy hours. And it, but it's even, even interesting to see how people are reacting to happy hours. Like first, everybody was super excited. Then you saw attendance start to dwindle because people are like, <laughs> I'm on Zoom, you know, for eight hours a day. I don't want to go to yeah, a Zoom sure. happy hour, right? Once so, disconnect. <laughs> you know, it's, it's been interesting to see how, you know, just people are evolving through this. And I think the key thing as leaders is we have to be cognizant of, of that. Um, that, you know, what's worked a week or two weeks ago no longer works. And we continuously have to update our emotions. And then we have to be in tune with ourselves because I think we sometimes forget about ourselves. How are we reacting to this, right? How are we reacting to good news, bad news, the new environments, you know, like, you know, that we're in, right? You know, I'm back to working from home, something I had not done you know, in the last three years at customer, I'd done it in previous roles. So, you know, recalibrating with my family in terms of who works where, because now they're all working <laughs> from home, including my daughters. Right? So I think there's a lot of those things that we need to be extremely mindful of. And, you know, the key thing for me is, look, you're not going to have all the answers as a leader is just have that open mind to continuously be, be changing and listening to the team. Uh, to, to make sure you adjust, not only at a macro level, but down to, to the individual level. Love it. Uh, very, very, very good points. And um, something that um, I've been discussing with some of CEOs and the companies that, I'm, that I work with is how all of this have changed at Halso. And moving to the second topic, the world-class leadership. So that the game has completely changed now. So uh, in the past, you would need to be in the headquarters if you would need to be in an influential position or, for instance, in the leadership team, in the leadership team seat. And uh, nowadays, we are finding amazing people that were already in the team, uh, but they were in other offices, for instance, and we, we didn't want to promote them to uh, critical positions in the company because they were not in the headquarters and they didn't have the, the chance to have a coffee with, with colleagues to be closer to, to the main teams. And now everyone is, is working from home and, uh, and it doesn't matter where, where you are, uh, even if the, if, if the time zone uh, works well and it's not, um, 
an, an obstacle. Uh, what is happening on your side on that sense? What, what is happening in terms of talent pool uh, with the new working from home environment? You know, I, I think, you know, from a, from a talent pool perspective, there's no, no immediate changes for us, right? I mean, for us, we, we're still, we, we haven't, you know, determined that long-term strategy. We're, we're, we're kind of looking at it, you know, you know, kind of like the, the, as I was joking right. about with New York state phase zero, phase one, we're looking <laughs> at it very much in the, in the same way. However, we are figuring out that there are, you know, there's a different level of collaboration, a different level of communication that this distributed environment is allowing for, right? So a couple of things, right? So just kind of communication. One is, you know, I'm really making sure, you know, I can't do the, you know, as a leader, a lot of the understanding the pulse of the team, even though my team has been distributed um, since almost, I would say, not day one, but pretty early into my tenure at, at customer, I was one of the first leaders to have people that were remote, right? Because of, of course, sales leader, I, you know, I had people that were in California, I had people that were in Texas, I had people in Ohio. Um, and, you know, even as my customer experience team has grown, I now have a North Carolina team, but I have individuals that are in Seattle, etc. So I've been one of the first to have a distributed environment. But still, a big core of my team was in New York. And I did rely on what I call the coffee or the water cooler talk to get a pulse of how the team was doing. What are they thinking? How are they right. reacting to certain decisions? I don't have that luxury anymore. So now I'm finding other ways, right? And as much as I you know, previously have not been the biggest fan of Slack, I now am, right? Because I can literally do a drop in to any individual. How are things going? Do you need to catch up? And of course, Zoom has right. become, you know, hashtag Zoom has become my, my fallback. Like, let's jump on a Zoom, <laughs> let's talk. So I think those two technologies have played a pivotal role. But other things that I'm doing, um, I'm doing like a, a biweekly ask me anything, right? Mm -hmm. So I just bring the teams together. They, they, they submit their questions. Uh, and it's an open forum, open discussion. And it's been really, you know, I get everything from the quirky, you know, uh, you know, what's your workout during this pandemic to obviously serious questions, like, you know, people that are genuinely concerned about the macroeconomic climate and things like that. So, and how is that going to impact customer? So I think that's been key. Our, our town halls by, you know, led by our CEO, Brad, have been, you know, um, very communicative, you know, you know, very detailed because we want to make sure that everybody understands what's going on in the business. How does it impact them? Gives them an opportunity to ask questions um, because we can't take for granted as leaders anymore that people just know. You, you effectively need to communicate. So I think that is one of the key, the key things for me. Um, and then collaboration, I think the exciting thing is now, no matter where you are, th this to me maybe ties to your talent pool question, you have a voice at the table, right? It used to be mm -hmm. like, look, no matter what right. you say, the four people sitting in the office in New York, even if you were on a Zoom, had, were in an enviable position of being able to have a sidebar conversation, et cetera. Now everybody's on a Zoom. So whether you're in our North Carolina office, you're working from home, you're dialing in Sorry. from Seattle, San Francisco, everybody's on the same playing field. And I think that is allowing people to feel more confident, more comfortable, and it will allow talent to rise to the top regardless of where they are because 
the communication barrier is no longer a factor. Absolutely, I, I love that. Uh, to be to be frank, and it, it's really a, a huge mindset shift that uh, came from this COVID crisis. So there were a lot of CEOs that would not uh, imagine a company uh, working from home and working remotely. And nowadays are completely convinced. And uh, it's it's not only that it is possible, it might be even a competitive advantage and something critical for the success of the company. And uh, I think it totally changes. It's, it's not a question about if it is possible, it is proven that it is possible. It, it is If this is important in terms of being competitive uh, and making the company competitive in terms of um, in the customer side and in the employee or talent side. So the really key thing for any, whether it's a CEO or, or, or somebody in my shoes, I think, is look, in any situation, particularly a global pandemic, is not to make any rushed decisions. And I know, obviously, anybody who's earned the title of CEO and, and, and so on is not going to, it's generally not their mindset. So number one is really be thoughtful of not making a decision in this situation that hampers you in the long term. So I think that's number yeah. one. Number two is... You, you have to look at it. it. I don't believe it's a one size fits all. I think you need to look at it. You know, as I said, I've had a distributed sales team very early on into my tenure at customer, even as a young company, um, because that made sense for the model, the business, the type of sales motion we had. Um, even with customer success team members, implementation team members. But I, don't, but I do still think I will look at certain roles and maybe not rush to say that work from home is the permanent environment for them. I think there are right. certain roles where mentorship is extremely critical. Um, you know, if I'm to coach a team of uh, first time business development representatives, as an example, mm -hmm. I do think that mentorship is critical. And I do think that some mentorship is better served face to face than you can do virtually. That's just the nature of it. Very and I think, so, so I, I would just, you know, before we rush to judgment and say, look, everybody's going to work from home forever <laughs> is really, really think through the roles and the, the experience levels and the expectations of those people, because some people actually in some roles, you know, gravitate, you know, you'll get the top talent, you know, top business development, young professionals will tell you one of the reasons they take a role at a company is for that mentorship to get to the next level, to become an account executive. Absolutely. So Absolutely. something to be thoughtful about. Absolutely. I think it's the same kind of discussion that we had several years ago when we were talking about offline marketing and digital marketing. So offline marketing is dead. Now it's only digital marketing. And so we understood that it's a blended experience and it's kind of a hybrid work workplace. And there are roles that will need to be more present in the office or in the office of the client. And some of them might be more um, location agnostic. So, so, so great example, right? A week ago, um, on my Twitter timeline, I think every venture capitalist was talking about the death of the big cities. Like San Francisco and New York are done. Real estate <laughs> markets are going to collapse. Uh, everybody's going to work from a cabin in Montana. And, you know, and a week later, they open up the barbershops in San Francisco. And all of a sudden, everybody is like, San Francisco is back in so once again, look, we're all dealing with this on a personal basis. We're all making, you know, you know they say don't make life-changing decisions. Like some people are like, oh, I'm going to leave New York City and I'm never coming back. Okay. I mean, some people that will be the right decision. 
but for some people it may not. So I, I do think there's, there's that level of everybody's dealing with this and even companies are dealing with this and trying to think through uh, how they react. So let's go to the question that's everyone that is at home and is listening from someone with revenue functions and, and, and sales and customer experience is thinking about. So uh, I think that this is all amazing what you are talking about. It's very inspiring, very motivating, but I still need to uh, be able to achieve my, my results in this time. And usually in this kind of positions, pressure is very high and COVID might be a good excuse, but at the same time, it would not be a, an excuse for uh, a very long time. And I will be in the hot seat. So uh, as a leader and, and still in the world-class leadership segment, uh, what can I do to still keep motivating and selling during COVID times and how are you guys adapt, adapt, adapting and how are you adapting as a leader to, to provide ideas, insights, new approach, being creative uh, to help them be su successful during COVID times? So and now, now is the time where A, there are no bad ideas. Uh, B, this is to me, this has been a, in a way a great forcing function of our marketing team our business development team, our sales team, our channel team, all really coming together, uh, you know, to say, and, and even our, even my customer experience team, like, how do we come together to focus on, you know, where we can continue to run a successful revenue generating business? And, um, you know, number one is very quickly, we had to look at our ICP, right? What is our target Love industry, it. right? Are any of our target industries impacted by COVID? And if they are, how long are they going to be impacted for, i.e. retail, right? Might, might have been one. Um, so, okay, so let's push that to the side for a moment and let's go focus at other components in our ICP that are not in, in fact impacted. And one of the areas where we've been very successful in is the delivery space. And boy, oh boy, I just said, right? I haven't gone to a grocery store in now almost two and a half months. Everything is being delivered. So that was a really mm -hmm. key cog for us as an example. And then the third is, are there any other industries that previously maybe we had said were a future state that we now want to accelerate because of where they are or their resiliency or whatever. So I think that's number one. Then you get these different groups to figure out how do we pivot? How, you know, what are the things we need to do to enable, to market, to sell into, the, into that ICP? The other key thing is, you know, a part of a, rev, a SaaS revenue machine in particular is your existing customers. So how do we work to make sure that our existing customers are maximizing the value from their investment? How are they doing, right? Are there Im any impacts to their business? What can we do to be a good partner to them, right? Because I think that's extremely critical and something we pride ourselves in um, is, you know, partnering with them. So when they do come out of this pandemic, like we all will, is that we are continuing to be part of their growth tra trajectory. So um, those are some of the things that we've done. We, we obviously, offered some of our services at no cost to, to our customers um, because the great thing about the customer platform is you can work from home. So, you know, so many of our customers were able to take their 
300, 400, 500 person contact center. And in a day or two, they were working from home. I mean, that is truly inspiring, right? And, and, and really happy that we could help navigate that effort and then you know, layer on some tools that allowed them to even manage more effectively, number one. Number two is you know, just getting the team to understand that, yes, we almost had to coach them through the fact that there will be a lull in the market because just like what you're going through in terms of transition and work from home, Depending on where in the world or where in the country you're calling somebody, they're going to go through the same thing. And I would say for the first month, we either got no responses to calls, people not showing up to meetings that they had accepted, even some hostile reaction, like how dare you call me in the midst of this pandemic to pitch customer. But then what you found was after about 30 to 45 days and people had, just like we had, adjusted to the new normal or new temporary normal, as I prefer to say, much more receptive to then taking those calls, listening, working through. And then we found like things starting to come back online. We just had to have that patience of about 30 to 45 days, understanding that everybody was going through what you were going through. And some may still like, if there's a spike in a part of the world, a part of the country, you may have to back off a little bit about again. So it was really that kind of coaching we had to give our, our team, whether it be the business development or sales team, to say, look, and we came out with a, with a playbook, particularly, um, you know, we, we put it together in a course of, of a weekend when this thing really, we realized this was not the flu. <laughs> you know, in a weekend, we put together a, a playbook <laughs> for our entire go-to-market team um, to help them through this, uh, navigate this journey. Got it. That's, that's, that's really a, a great point. And going to the last component, we have already gave here a lot of examples of rhythms that are working very well for you. The, the town hall, the karaoke session, the, you know, the um, ask me anything session uh, with, with you. Um, so around the culture of execution. But something that is quite amazing is really to do an acquisition during COVID times and um, onboarding or welcoming uh, a team in COVID uh, during COVID times without being able to go to Madrid or to Spain to just say hello, welcome to the team, and uh, and so on. So, uh, how were you able to make them feel, uh, you know, happy to join, welcome? Um, integrate with them. So what are some of the tips uh, for, for the ones who might be facing the same kind of challenges? Sure. So, so one, uh, you know, I want to give credit to our, our VP of operations, uh, Ab Gupta, who put together an amazing plan. Um, you know, not just detailing, obviously, the things that you normally go through with an acquisition is, you know, in terms of, you know, roles and responsibilities and who's going to report to what part of the organization and all of that. You know, what I almost call like the logistics, um, but you know, looking at pre-post and then working with not only our HR team, our IT team, and then the leadership team to make sure we had a very clear game plan as to what life would look like for the reply.ai team post-acquisition, um, whether it be you know, the teams they were joining, the leadership, who was going to communicate, um, and I and I just think that that was very well thought out. Of course, there's always going to be a blip here, a blip there. Of course. Um, but last week was their kind of full onboarding. 
Um, you know, they had, you know, a full week of, you know, HR activities that were being done, the IT setup, the, the, the meetings, um, you know, with their new team members. So kind of, you know, in, in introducing them. And then like even myself, right, as a leader, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, you know, I'm very important. I need to get, I need to get in front of these people. And I was like, look, they have so much on their plate. There's so many people. It's hard. I've been, and so the beauty for me is I've been in their shoes. You know, I, I was just, I actually had my welcome with them prior to this call and I was sharing with them. I went through, within a year, I went from a startup that was 17 million that got acquired by JD Edwards, that merged with PeopleSoft, that got acquired by Oracle within a year. And this was very early in my career. So I didn't have the experience I, I do now. So my thing was like, I've been in their shoes where you have so many new people coming at you. So I backed off and I said, look, I, I sent them an email saying, I don't want you to think I'm dismissing you, but we will connect. And I, knew, I want you to know how important it is for us to connect. And I connected with them today. And all I did was share with them a little bit about the customer journey over the last three years. And then a little bit about myself and my experience over the last 20 years. Um, and then, you know, just made sure they were aware that they could reach out to me, communicate with me, Slack, email, phone, day or night, right? And so I think that's, you know, that's the thing is, yeah, particularly if you're going to acquire a company uh, during this pandemic, you're not going to be able to do some of the things you would, right? We have to postpone our celebration until we can all get together, fly the team over from Madrid, you know, do some of those things. And we will do them. Uh, but I think in the meantime, we want to make sure that on a human to human level, that they understand who we are as people and that you know we're available to them and that we get to know them as well, right? What are their career aspirations? What are what motivates them, et cetera? Love it. And um, before we go to the last and our favorite question of the show that I will do a, a tweak or, uh, or I will pick okay. as, as you already answered to the previous one, uh, but I will keep you curious. Uh, but before, there is something that I've been thinking a lot during um, the last weeks and the last months working with clients, uh, which, which is something that I'm seeing again and again and again. And uh, you're talking about the revenue machine uh, early on. And we talk a lot about this um, in SaaS. And um, one of the most important causes of, of uh, startup death and uh, scale-up death is really premature um, scaling. So trying to scale without having a proper machine in, in place. And um, something that is interesting is getting from zero to one million uh, ARR is, is really, really difficult. But from 1 million to 5 million, uh, if you are on the right spot in the right space, uh, without too much credit, you might be able to uh, get to 5 million in, in freestyle. But from 5 to 10, sometimes people struggle a lot to get there because you can't get there anymore uh, in freestyle. So you need to have that revenue machine um, in place to be scalable. And even if you get to 10 million, then to 20, 25 or 50, it would be almost impossible if you don't have the right people on the right seats, on the revenue seats. And if you don't have the, the framework, the playbook, as you said, which is repeatable, profitable, cash-friendly, scalable, and predictable. Uh, so you can put uh, X amount of dollars and get uh, an, uh, another um, uh, amount of, of scale. So do you agree with that, that after a certain point, if you don't have this revenue machine, this predictable revenue machine, it is really impossible and you will face a plateau in terms of 
uh, growth and what has been your experience with customer? If you can also disclose in what stage of revenue you are, of course, you don't need to disclose the exactly uh, ARR number, but just to give some context to the audience. Yeah, I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll pass on that question. Um, <laughs> but, 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 but look, I mean, we're, we're, we're three years into this journey, right? And, and yep. so I think that that's kind of more, more important than kind of where we fall in, in the revenue bucket. But we, we've had tremendous growth year over year in, in that journey. I think, I think the key thing is the playbook, yes, you need a, a core basis, which you're starting with, that's going to get you from zero to one, one to three, you know, three to X, you know, et cetera. Yep. You know, whether you're doing the triple, triple, double, double, which right. we talked about or not. Last time, yeah. Right? But but I think the key thing is, I think it, it's very important for, for me is to constantly be A, willing to change the playbook as you go from these tiers. What right. worked zero to one, you know, look, a lot of companies will tell you zero to one is like a friends and family. It's like fundraising, right? You know, a lot of people are people that you're either your investors introduce you to or your CEO is friends with, et cetera. That motion is not sometimes a realistic motion, right? And so really then it's your one to, to three that is, you know, or one to four that is the real motion, right? So I think that's the real key thing is when do you really start getting through the sales cycles, start getting the data to then kind of go back in and it's going to be different if you're an enterprise business, a mid-market business or SMB business. Exactly. One is the willingness to change as you continue to go further up in, in terms of revenue. The second piece is the willingness to experiment. Um, I think that's extremely critical um, because I think to say, look, we've got this one play and this one play is going to get me from one to a hundred. I, I think you'll be kidding yourself. So how do you start saying, look, I feel good about this motion now I want to either lower, you know, maybe I want to add an up market motion or I want to add a, a, uh, a down market or I want to add a vertical or I want to add a geography. I think those all become critical lenses to look at to continue the growth, the growth rate. Absolutely. Got it. And um, so we, we want to keep the episode short and we are ready. It's, it's very tempting with you because <laughs> I, I keep going and going and going and uh, I, feel, I feel bad to need to cut the show uh, uh, with uh, our favorite question. So last time I asked you if you would have the opportunity to meet yourself when you were joining customer, what advice would you give to yourself? And, and today I will ask you when you get back to the next episode in May 2021, uh, what would make you fulfilled? Uh, if you were, if you have been sharing with us in the new episode some achievements and some lessons, uh, what would make you proud? Yeah, I think number the number one thing for me um, is that we successfully navigate this pandemic. Right. If I look a year from now, uh, and what I mean by that is you know, very concrete, you know, measurables. Number one, the team. Um, do we keep the team engaged um, and, um, and thriving? You know, I think that's the number one thing for me. Uh, you know, we, we have continued to grow. Uh, we, we're still adding new team members. We call it the crew. We're still adding members to the crew uh, every day which I think is super exciting for us as a high growth company. And I, I want to make sure that we continue to be uh, a place that people want to come in and work for. So I think that's number one. I think number two 
is that we're doing right by our customers. Um, that's core to, to one of our, you know, our values. And I want to see our customers continuing to thrive, uh, you know, helping them through this, this pandemic. So those will be number one, number two. And, and then of course, number three is look, we are, we came into a space knowing that there are some big, well-defined incumbents, right? You know, Salesforce and Zendesk. And I want to be able to share with you, uh, you know, a year from now, that we've continued to take market share away from them. And we've continued to, to you know, be, be a challenge for them. And so those are the three things that I will look for, you know, a year from now when I hope to be back on, on the air with you uh, to say that we have been, uh, been successful as a, as a leadership team here at Customer. Crystal clarity, a very clear notion of success. That's what amazing leaders are made of. Vikas, thank you so much for making the time to share your update on what is happening in our world and with customer and proud of your achievements. And thanks again for making the time. Thank you, Mike. Be well and be safe. And to our community, we keep bringing you the best of the best. Vikas is back and Vikas will be back at least uh, one year from now to, to keep sharing with you uh, the best insights, the best tools, the best frameworks to help you be successful uh, scaling during COVID times and uh, after COVID times. As Vikas said, stay healthy, uh, stay well and keep scaling. See you soon. Mm -hmm.